From the BYU Museum of Art, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. For this episode, we've left our usual performance studio for a field trip to the Museum of Art here at Brigham Young University. We have a wonderful lineup of performers and best of all, an intimate concert setting with an audience made up of sustaining members of Classical 89. We are so grateful to all of you for being here and for your ongoing support. We thought of calling this A Night at the Museum, but you may have seen the movie and we didn't want to raise your expectations <laughs> too much. So we've come up with, I think, what's actually a better title, which is Music of the British Isles. The island homes of Ireland, Scotland, and England has given us windswept moors, as well as Monty Python. They've given us Pride and Prejudice, as well as haggis and kidney pie and blood sausage royal pageantry, as well as friendly corner pubs. And we will try and honor that broad cultural swath with the music we've chosen, music both sublime and some downright silly. First, we're headed to the Emerald Isle, Ireland, and no one does song titles better than the Irish. So brace yourself for three and a half action-packed minutes. We're starting off with a set of three Irish jigs by the cheery names of Garrett Berries, I Buried My Wife and Danced on Her Grave, <laughs> and the Roaring Barmaid. And to play them, I'd like to introduce to you the first cello player ever to have studied traditional Irish music at the University of Limerick in Ireland. This is Liz Davis Maxfield. Thank you. 
Liz Davis Maxfield playing Celtic cello on Highway 89. I don't know if you've ever heard Celtic cello before. I don't think many people have. We're gathered today with some of Classical 89 sustaining members in the BYU Museum of Art Auditorium for an evening of music from the British Isles. Liz, thank you so much for being here. I'm glad to be back. So you do hold that distinction of being the very first cello player ever to have studied traditional Irish music at the University of Limerick on a Fulbright Fellowship you went. Mm-hmm. Were, were people just shocked and didn't know what to do you when, when you showed up with this giant fiddle? Yes. It was kind of funny to try to squeeze into small places in pubs, especially, <laughs> you know, playing at sessions and everyone has their little tin whistles or their tiny fiddles. And then I come in, I felt like an elephant in the room. <laughs> so how did the professors work with you? Because they probably played the fiddle themselves. And there you are with your cello. How did, how did that translate? Um, I had some uh, who played the fiddle who actually... Um, started playing the viola just so that they could um, embrace the C string as well. <laughs> and um, one or two of them actually got hooked on playing the viola because they liked it so much. Oh, those um, low notes are so satisfying. I know, because um, like I played in that last jig, uh, you can play really low. You can play tunes an octave lower. That's really satisfying and fun. So I had um, some teachers who kind of experimented themselves while they were trying to figure out how to teach the misfit. <laughs> so besides uh, taking individual lessons and playing on your own, everybody there was also put into ensemble. So what did people think when you showed up like, hi, I'm the cellist for your group? Um, people were actually very nice. And hmm. um, all of the people that I met were very generous and kind and open-minded about it. But they were a little bit wary about what notes I would play. But by the end of the, um, the program, I had made lots of good friends, and we all loved playing together, and I think they were all convinced that Enough cello that was a good idea. Enough that anyone ever helped you carry your cello. Oh. <laughs> that would be the true test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> okay. a, little, a little heavier than a penny whistle. We have had you on the show before, and you always have the, the, the tunes with the most memorable titles. Uh, some from the past. One of my favorites was Pigtown Fling, The Scolding yes. Wife, my favorite, Miller's Maggot. <laughs> They're just not shy about making these titles. Any favorites that you have that you've played? Yes, um, I think two of my favorite tunes were polkas. I've played on the show before. Mm -hmm. I think, and the first one was called "I Have Two Yellow Goats," and the second one was "Britches Full of Stitches." <laughs> Well, we're going to skip on over to Stratford-upon-Avon because you brought with us one of your original pieces. I'm excited for you to play this for us. It's called The Statue, and it ties to William Shakespeare's work, Winter's Tale, which you wrote, as I guess, as incidental music for a recent, recent production. So where in The Winter's Tale does the music occur? Um, 
So BYU recently did Winter's Tale, and they decided to add almost underscoring underneath um, most of the piece, most of the performance. And if you are familiar with Winter's Tale, it's called a problem play because it makes no sense in a lot of ways. But um, um, the statue scene is very iconic because a, uh, the queen, who everyone has presumed dead for over a decade, um, actually comes back to life. They think she's a statue, but she's actually been in hiding. Mm. So it's a very magical kind of ethereal moment, and this is the music that accompanied that transformation back to life. Let's hear the piece. Actually, Liz is going to play two, play two for us. First, she'll play the statue, her original piece for A Winter's Tale, and then she'll play a traditional reel, The Winding Roads of Advance. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Liz Davis Maxfield performing The Winding Roads of Advance and before that her original piece, Statue. Next we'll move from cello to piano, in fact piano forehands. The piece is called The Galway Piper. Galway is in Western Ireland and you might be forgiven for thinking of world-renowned flute virtuoso Sir James Galway as the reason The Piper of Galway was written, but the tune is actually much older than that. It's a well-known traditional Irish folk song, which we hear makes for a rousing drunken sing-along. I'm doubtful that will happen tonight. But the name of the actual person or persons who wrote it may be lost to history, but we still have the tune. And as near as we can tell, it was published at least as early as 1740. Here's a bit of Irish history performed in the piano forehands arrangement performed by Jane Galloway and Laurie Weiss. Galway Piper performed live by Jane Galloway and Laurie Weiss on piano. This is a special edition of Highway 89. We swapped our usual performance studio for the BYU Museum of Art Auditorium, and we've gathered with Classical 89's sustaining members for an evening of music from the British Isles. Jane Galloway, very first question I have to ask, any relation between Galloway and Galway? Not whatsoever. Okay. I think Galloway <laughs> is Scottish, actually, and okay. Galway is Irish. <laughs> Jane has been a professional accompanist for 35 years, has a music degree from BYU in piano pedagogy. She accompanies 25 to 30 recitals a year, plus more auditions, competitions, master classes, lessons, symphony performances, and recordings than you could count. <laughs> a skilled accompanist really is a treasure, and you play for so many people and make them look and sound so good. But do you ever just think, come on, people, I'm good, let me just play a solo. Oh, no, no, no. That doesn't happen. <laughs> this is as close to a solo as I can get with that Lori is, here. That is so amazing to me, as good as you are. Well, so what got you into accompanying and feeling like that's what you wanted to do? You don't know. When I was 15, the very first piece I was asked to accompany was for a friend, and she played the violin. It was the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. 
The very first piece I ever accompanied mm. was Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. And it was so fun to play with somebody else. You know, when you're a piano student, you go to your lessons by yourself, you practice by yourself, you compete by yourself, you perform by yourself, but it's so much fun to play with other people. So I see you and Laurie at the piano here. How do you divide up, like, who does the pedal and who turns the pages? And all Oh, that? yes. Well, you don't want to give too much work to one person, so that's why we have four hands. <laughs> but we also have uh, feet and pages to turn. So normally, the person who sits at the top will turn the pages, while the person who sits at the bottom will do the pedal. Well, I want to ask you about a locket we heard about. I think you're wearing it tonight. I am. Is this a, I think this is a British Isles connection, so tell us about this. Okay. About 100 years ago, my grandmother, so a lot of us who live in Utah, we have ancestors who come from the British Isles, but this is pretty recent. So my grandmother was immigrating with her sister, and they were in their 20s, and they were on the boat. This is a long time ago, before jet planes. And uh, they were on the deck one day, and there was a young man who was returning from his mission in Switzerland, and he said to himself, that's the girl I'm, he looked at my grandmother, and he said, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And he did. And this is her locket, and this is Betty and Scott. I'm going to cry. <laughs> and I really never knew them because they both passed away when I was an infant. But you've got them both in there. Yes. Very nice. Well, will you, this is sort of a romantic story to lead into a romantic piece we're about to hear, and I wonder if you would take a minute and introduce <clears throat> this piece by Sir Edward Elgar. Sir Edward Elgar composed a piece, he, com he completed it in 1888, um, and he titled it Liebes Ex please excuse my German, I don't do German at all, but it means love's greeting, and he gave it as a, an engagement gift to his future bride, whose name was Carolyn Alice Roberts. And uh, there's a, um, I have the, the, the title page right here, if anybody can see it. So Liebes Grus is in smaller type, and really, really small over here on the left, it says, Ah, Caris. Now, this is a dedication that he, he took a contraction of his uh, fiancée's name, Carolyn Alice. So, Caris is a contraction of that. Later, after they were married, they had a little girl, and they named her Caris, hmm. and she was their only child. Well, let's have you take your place. We're going to hear this in a duet for piano forehands. Originally, this was for violin, solo, and piano. And I have always sort of wondered if it became so much more popular in French because it was more romantic to hear je t'aime whispered in your ear than ich liebe dich. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just wondering. So here is Sir Edward Elgar's Salut d'amour.
Salut d'Amour by Sir Edward Elgar, performed by Jane Galloway and Laurie Weiss. And uh, for our listeners, we should mention that they switched high and low parts. I get that that solves the problem of who really wants control of the pedal. <laughs> we'll hear more from Jane and Laurie in just a few minutes. But first, it's time for a vocal number accompanied by cello and piano. Continuing our theme of music from the British Isles, our next piece is from the opera Semele by George Friedrich Handel, who, yes, we know, is a German-born composer, but before you say, they're cheating. He actually did become a naturalized citizen of Britain. He spent almost all of his career in London, and the opera was written, rehearsed, and premiered in the British Isles. Plus, we just really like this piece, and we were looking for any excuse for you to hear it. This is Endless Pleasure, Endless Love. Here is soprano Clara Hurtado-Lee, accompanied by cellist Brian Stuckey and pianist Massimiliano Frani. Endless Pleasure, Endless love. Thank you. 
You're listening to a special edition of Highway 89 coming to you from the BYU Museum of Art with an audience comprised of classical 89 sustaining members. We just heard soprano Clara Hurtado Lee and Ancello Brian Stuckey with Massimiliano Frani, pianist, performing music from Handel Semele. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Every other year, the National Association of Teachers of Singing sponsors a vocal competition. Clara recently won the Harold Stark Award during the semifinal round in Boston, an honor that follows her previous first place win in the Cali in the Cal Western region. She's concertized with the Utah Symphony, Utah Opera, Salt Lake Choral Artists, Utah Lyric Opera, Utopia Early Music, and the American West Symphony. Clara, thank you so much for singing for us. That was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, in preparing for the show, we discovered you do have family roots that go back to the British Isles. Which side and how far back? Okay, so with the name... Clara Hurtado, you wouldn't think I would have <laughs> those roots, but... That wasn't um, the Mac Hurtados. Yes, <laughs> it was the Mac Hurtados. They have really cool kilts. Anyway, um, my mom, <laughs> my mom is Clara Levisa Johnson. Um, so her roots, her father is Johnson and they're from um, England and her mother's roots are MacDougall from Scotland. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, we understand this next song we're going to hear you first heard in a music history class. Yes. And so tell, tell me about this and why you chose to include it on your scene recital. I did. I, I really love the lute songs by John Dowland. And um, I had just met this very cute guitar player um, who now is my husband. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to do something with him. So we decided to do Flow My Tears. It's kind of depressing, but... Beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah. so evidently taking up the lute and being a troubadour actually can work sometimes for romance. Yes. That's nice. <laughs> well, we wanted, a little, Aristotle said there had to be spectacle in every show. We couldn't get a juggler. So we did the next best thing. We found a tenor who can sing and play the cello at the same time. <laughs> and if you think that's easy to find, try it. <laughs> so I imagine this is much harder than walking around and chewing gum at the very same time. So here are Clara Hurtado Lee and Brian Stuckey with Massimiliano Frani, harking back to the English Renaissance with a piece from John, John Dowland, who was just known for his weeping, melancholy tunes. This is his Flow My Tears. Oh, 
John Dallin's Flow My Tears, performed by Clara Hurtado Lee, Brian Stuckey, tenor and cellist with Massimiliano Frani. Uh, it's strange that such a, a sad and mournful tune would leave me feeling so happy that I just heard it. <laughs> You're listening to Highway 89, coming to you live from the Museum of Art at Brigham Young University. Lori Weiss is a collaborative artist for the Vocal Performance Department at Utah Valley University, which includes working with the Opera Workshop class. She's a accompanist for the Utah Children's Choir and has music degrees from Utah State University and the Royal Conservatory of Music, University of Toronto. She also, in her spare times, plays flute and organ. We should try organ and flute at the same time. That would be a spectacle. Okay. Welcome, Lori. This is your first time on Highway 89. Thank you for coming and playing for us. Thank you. So what is a collaborative artist in a vocal department? We do a lot of different things. Um, we attend the voice lessons from week to week and accompany in the, the studio recitals or the master classes that they have every Thursday. Um, when the students have a senior or a sophomore recital, we're the accompanist. And it's really interesting. You get to play a lot of, just lots of music, things you might not have ever heard before or seen before. Well, I think the interesting element here is a lot of people may think an accompanist is someone who just shows up and plays and tries to stay with the soloist. Sometimes that's true. Okay. <laughs> that's probably not the ideal situation. Not but ideal, but sometimes that happens. An accompanist, though, of, of your caliber and of Jane's, though, you actually do coaching. What, what do you do when you're working with a vocalist, for instance? Or, 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 we do. Uh, we, we, especially with the less experienced students, the freshmen particularly, they count on us. We're like the familiar face that's always there in the background in a situation that might be unfamiliar to them. Could that be anything from why not try, try breathing here to pronunciation or whatever? I, I don't coach the pronunciation or the breathing. I, I think that's the teacher's job. But uh -huh. if there's a, a rhythm thing happening or, you know, anything like that, I would, I would step in and say something. Well, just like Clara, we're into romance here on yes. Highway 89. So I hear you have a musical romance story, I do. too. My piano teacher back in Logan, back in the day, was Irene Peary Fox. And when her mother would come to visit from Canada, she would lie on the couch and listen to Irene teach lessons. And one day I was having my lesson and she said, Irene, that's the kind of girl Stan would like. That was Irene's younger brother. So they set us up for a blind date. And sure enough, it's uh, now my husband. I ended up marrying my piano teacher's brother. Okay, play an instrument, get a man. That's, what, that's, that's the right. lesson of the show here. Okay. <laughs> so introduce us to uh, Capriccio. This is by Sir Arthur Sullivan, definitely one of the well-known names of the British Isles in his day. Yes, it's a very exciting piece, kind of a lilting, a um, lot of funky key changes going on with accidentals, F-flats and things that when Jane and I rehearsed, we had to stop and circle a few things. And, you know, it was exciting. <laughs> well, it but... is heartening to know that even professional companies still have to mark up their music a little yeah, bit, like watch out. Right. Well, we'll let you take your place and review your markings here. We're about to hear from Sir Arthur Sullivan Capriccio, which is a word meaning roughly music that is free in form, fancy, whimsy, caper, or a prank.
Sir Arthur Sullivan's Capriccio, performed by Laurie Weiss and Jane Galloway. And that uh, little interview reminded me, hearing an F-flat, of a picture I saw of Einstein once, and it said, uh, musical relativity, relativity, it said, E equals F-flat. <laughs> a little musical science there. You're listening to our special edition of Highway 89 with music from the British Isles, and we're not in our usual performance studio, but just a hop, skip, and a jump away at the BYU Museum of Art. Joining us today is also an audience comprised of Classical 89 sustaining members. Brian Stuckey is the tenor you heard earlier, also playing cello. You just, you have two free feet. I don't know what you're wasting your feet there. We could give you like a, a hi-hat and a kick drum, and you could, you could earn money on the street, I'm telling you. Okay. Earning money would be great change. <laughs> That's always a change for a musician. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Favorite music joke. What's the difference between a musician and a, a, a large pizza? A large pizza can feed a family of four. Anyway, so... Maybe I've just taken that to heart, but <laughs> Brian, you have performed on Highway 89 numerous times. We've talked with you about everything from your opera singing to your gentleman farming hobby. One year, 500 pounds of tomatoes. I about, to yeah. Recall, something yes. like that. But last time I spoke with you, you were about to be the tenor soloist in the production and recording of Messiah in the Tabernacle in Salt Lake City with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and the orchestra at Temple Square. I got to go see the performance. You were smashing. Thank you. Thank you very so much. So in... Other than a favorite opera role, that has to be a pinnacle experience. How do you how do you concentrate on performing and not just thinking, can this really be happening and just looking around? And I think that for that experience was a spectacular experience, and I have done the Messiah many times. And um, I will say that doing the Messiah on that occasion in that place with those people was different. Hmm. Um, but the sort of sense of wonder um, for me just kind of was was a big part of the performance. I mean, I. I didn't feel the need, I guess, to kind of separate myself from the reality of it because it made, it made performing it so much more meaningful and wonderful to me. It was really a spectacular experience. Brian, you have uh, two degrees. You have master's degrees in vocal performance and in cello from mm -hmm. Indiana University. And when we were trying to na nail down British Isles music, you chose, uh, it's really a hymn that is so beloved in the British Isles. Yes. Why did you pick this one? So uh, this piece, Jerusalem, um, the, the wonderful setting of Hubert Perry of the Blake text, is uh, I served my mission in England, and this piece, um, um, possibly more than God Save the Queen, is is kind of a, is kind of an anthem to the English people, and and it and because of the the legend that goes along with it, it's a, it's a it's a wonderful legend. Um, they believe that Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, when Christ was a young man, brought him before he started his ministry to the British Isles, and that he that he may have been in different locations. So there are lots of sort of sacred sites and and um, shrines and ruins and things like that that are associated with this legend. And this and this piece also references. That. It's famous as an organ piece, as a choral piece. Boys' choirs have mm -hmm. sung. In fact, *Chariots of Fire*, the movie, yes. featured this prominently with the boys' choir. And that uh, that line, *Chariots of Fire*, is even. From the song, let's hear Jerusalem. This Perry setting on the Blake poem. Brian Stuckey is the vocalist with Massimiliano Frani piano. And did those feet in ancient times? Walk upon England's mountains green, and was the holy Lamb of God. 
Heaven's pleasant pastures seen, and did the countenance divine shine forth upon our clouded hills, and was Jerusalem builded here among those dark satanic mills. Bring me my bow of burning gold, bring me my arrows of desire, bring me my chariot of fire. I shall not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. Beautifully done, Brian Stuckey singing Jerusalem. And now we've come to the final piece of the night, a song we really could not, in good conscience, close our special episode of music from the British Isles without. And that is Danny Boy. Frederick Edward Weatherly wrote Danny Boy. He was a lawyer, an author, a prolific songwriter, and even later in life a radio broadcaster, born in Somerset, England in the mid-1800s. He wrote the song to a tune called Londonderry Air. And we have learned on the radio, you have to be sure you say Londonderry Air because Londonderry Air is a whole other <laughs> thing. And I did that once. He actually heard that tune from his sister who had been to the U.S. and heard Colorado gold miners singing, clear in Colorado. She wrote down the tune and sent it back to him in the land where the tune came from, and he wrote, Oh Danny Boy. Here is Brian Stuckey, tenor, Clara Hurtado, Lee soprano, with Massimiliano Frani, piano. Must go and I must. 
passed by. But
Danny Boy performed live from the music BYU Museum of Art for this special edition of Highway 89, music from the British Isles. What a great night, what great music. We appreciate each of the artists who performed this evening for Classical 89 sustaining members and for you, our listening audience at home. One more time, could we have our performers all stand? Liz Davis-Maxfield, Jane Galloway, Laurie Weiss, Brian Stuckey, Clara Hurtado-Lee, Massimiliano Frani. We have flowers for you here. A very exclusive... We also, uh, these are roses delivered in a very exclusive BYU Classical 89 mug. One more round of applause, if we please. For this. Also, special thanks to Amanda from the BYU Music Library for helping us locate music. And thank you to our sustaining members, many of whom are here, who make such a significant contribution to the station and help to keep us on the air. We welcome comments and questions from our listeners. Send email to highway89 at byu.edu or contact us via our Instagram and Twitter feeds. That's at BYUH89. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our student assistant is Abby Horlocker. And our producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Cheerio! Cheerio!